politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and minimum yearning to live free again to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house today on Thursday. And what sort of a country do we have that we need to fight for? Is it even worth fighting for? I'll tell you what sort of country we're living in. From our friends at CWB Chicago, they track crime in America's version of Afghanistan, a.k.a. Chicago. Felony bond court. There was a case there. A four-time felon and convicted child sex offender was working as an armed security guard at a store. He takes his gun and shoots a customer for not wearing a COVID mask in the store. Friends, Romans, countrymen, that is America as we know it. That is America in 2021. You know, I was thinking, when else have we had a policy where government blocks everything that would save us and induces everything that won't and harms us? I was like, crime is the same thing. If you think about it, they let out criminals And then they don't allow us to defend ourselves. Then they unleash a virus on us and enhance it with the mass vaccination viral enhancement and then don't allow us to treat it. So I guess this incident here kind of merges the two. How sad is that? So today I want to talk about some of these crime cases, kind of switching back and forth between that and... uh, The virus, I'm just so emotionally exhausted from all of these, I don't know, all these emails I'm getting from people that can't get early treatment, and then they're in the hospital, they have loved ones in the hospital, they're refusing to treat them with anything, what do I do? They're the most heartbreaking messages you can get about an issue that is so avoidable is so avoidable. So avoidable. It it, it is just, it kills me. So I'm kind of emotionally broken from that, as you all know. So I'll discuss the madness of another issue, crime. And again, it kind of merges. Full circle. If you don't wear a mask, you're a criminal. But if you do, you could even shoot people, child molest, and you're let out of jail, and you could become a security guard, so you could shoot someone without a mask. I mean, this is where we are as a nation. You tell me, you tell me, is this a nation that we could cure? Because folks, I certainly do not see that. Now, my buddy Steve Dace, I don't know if some of you have seen this, he's out with an article about America's John Brown moment. If you want to Google it, it's making John Brown great again. It's a terrific terrific column. You have to see it. And I want to really start with that today um, before introducing Steve's uh, article, our sponsor today, very apropos for our stories about criminals let out. We the People Holsters. Okay, I have a We the People holster for all of my guns. It's American-made. They're basically what I could see the cheapest American-made holster company out on the market. They start at just $40, but if you use offer code CR, you can get an extra $10 off. Um, They all have propriety clip designs that allow you to adjust the cant in the ride. Um, and also their EDC tactical gun belts. Again, you can't get a gun and ammo and not get a proper gun belt and, and a holster. It's just, this is something you're going to learn out on our front site, uh, training trips that we go on together. Uh, the, the proper five point draw, which is going to win your gunfight in real life. I mean, that's why you're carrying begins with a holster that sits properly in the right position. So you need, again, a good holster, good belt, Every holster and gun belt from We The People comes with a lifetime guarantee. If it doesn't fit, you could send it back. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Again, wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Offer code CR. Never let 
your quality gun go without a quality holster. So back to Steve Dace's column. And, you know, this is the 800-pound gorilla in the room, not just with COVID fascism, but really with everything else we know about. Everything else. When is the tipping moment? I would have told you a year ago, okay, I would have said, not a year ago, two years ago, I would have said, look, I really hope it doesn't have to come to this. But by golly, if it ever did, at least we'd have a revolution and, you know, then then we would solve the problem. But yet we are long past the John Brown moment in America and yet nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. Again, a few years ago, would you have ever admitted that story I just told you from Chicago encapsulates a world upside down, violating the social compact of governance at every level, letting in illegals, prioritizing Afghanis over us, prioritizing illegals over us, shutting us down while bringing them in, having people die from COVID, die from the vaccine, God knows what else they know about the origins of this virus that they're not telling us that they were involved with. And yet, it doesn't seem to happen. You know, and basically his column is all about the point that it is so bad, yet we have no representation. Zero. And what happens when you're turned to desperation and no one listens to you after the Kansas-Nebraska Act and everything, they weren't, you know, stopping the spread of slavery... John Brown took, you know, the law into his own hands and you had that moment that ignited the powder keg. That's a thesis of his article. Um, and he notes that in the history of this fallen world, there has never been a peaceful transfer of property and liberty on a mass scale within a culture, and there never will be. There won't be one in this North American land mass either, if it sadly comes to that, as it has before. I pray it doesn't again because I happen to enjoy living here. And he goes on to say, however, the ballad of John Brown is a cautionary tale that reminds that uh, reminds us that our sins have a way of finding us out, that we can only kick the can down the road for so long until we come to a dead end, and that when the powers that be go from powerless to stop injustice, to actively promoting it. Sooner or later, a presence will arise from elsewhere to take that power back. Our founders gave us a political process to avoid John Brown moments, that we fight it out at the ballot box instead of on the streets. But for that process to sustain us, the growing number of betrayed Americans need representation within the process that actually and actively fights for them when empowered for a change. Absent that for too long, and John Browns are eventually born. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know. I agree with Steve, but I don't even know if it's going to happen because it should have happened. When is that po- point? It almost seems like we have too much of a high-tech, sophisticated repression that's even worse than slavery. Again, I'm not saying physically, but I'm just saying at a political level. It's almost like there's no recourse. No one even knows what's going on. They know it's not right. They don't know where to turn. Like, we have this virus out of nowhere, and then it's out of nowhere kind of gets even worse when it should have gotten better, and then people are dying from it, and they don't know what to do. They know there's better things to do than what we are doing, but they don't know where to go, and it's true on every issue. But as bad as it is, people aren't even informed. So let me go through some of what's going on. And again, it all gets back to COVID in many ways. So this is a case out in um, in New Jersey. New Jersey, this is from uh, NJ101.5 Radio. New Jersey freed kidnapper over COVID now is accused of chopping man to death. So this is basically a guy that was let loose in New Jersey, got early time credits plus early release on COVID after serving time for kidnapping an elderly couple. 
And just as a reminder, the early good time credits, everyone gets them. Okay, there's no way you didn't see this coming. This diabolical guy kidnaps an elderly couple. Oh, and he was a saint in prison. Of course, gets the early time credits. He's let go. And unfortunately, a New, Ham- New Hampshire people paid for it because he's in New Hampshire. Theodore Lucky, 42, is charged with killing 28-year-old Nathan Cashman, 28. His body was found de- uh, in the lobby of Country Inn and Suites in Bedford, New Hampshire, with chop wounds on the head, neck, and body. Lucky is also charged with the death of David Hanford, who was found strangled in a room of the hotel. So he's charged with a double homicide. Folks, there are so many cases of this going on with COVID jailbreak. This is another genocidal side effect of COVID that they let everyone out from jail. And again, a lot of people always ask me, why are they doing this? Why are they doing things that don't work and are so harmful? And why are they blocking treatment? And I said, because... If they would allow treatment, they would solve the problem. If they solve the problem, think of all the policies they've always wanted to implement but you know weren't able to do and now have successfully achieved using COVID as an excuse. And one of the more obscure ones but nonetheless extremely devastating is the hundreds of thousands of people that they either let out of jail early or never even locked up because they're like, oh, COVID, we can't have too many people in jail. But it's important to remember, like, this is just the second recent case of homicide from a COVID jailbreak I've seen in New Jersey. If you remember, like, a month ago, <clears throat> I reported to you on another case of a guy let out and... um and charged with homicide. This was um, trying to remember what what his what his case was, but there was another case of a guy recently we reported on. It's an article of mine. You could look it up. About a month ago, just in the state of New Jersey, I've seen two of these. Then you go on to Chicago, and you look at what's going on. Man faces carjacking charges just months after prosecutors dropped another carjacking case against him. So Chicago, like many American cities, is having this problem of um, uh, bumping, what's it called? Bumping jack or something. I'm, I'm not using the right term, but they bump into your car, so then you get out to exchange insurance information, and then they rob you and carjack you. Carjacking in America has become legalized, de facto legalized, while while kindergartners are forced to wear masks. Why people that don't choose to take the risk on the jab are treated like criminals and pariahs and outcasts of society. Three-time felon who's accused of battering and carjacking a food delivery driver last weekend, was accused of committing another carjacking on the same street last autumn, but prosecutors dropped the case against him. Deonta Sanchez, also known as Deontay Sanchez, was ordered held without bail. So at least now he was held without bail. This is what's going on. And notice the same courts that are never there to give us a break on COVID fascism are always there for the criminals. And speaking of the courts... We don't even have representation in the courts. Alliance Defending Freedom has been standing up for religious liberty, the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, marriage, and parental rights, America's highest courts. ADF does all this at no cost to their clients. They're completely funded by the generosity of you patriots. If you go to adflegal.com slash CR, you can get a, t- a copy of their ebook, Generational Wins, absolutely free. And you'll see the vitality of their work on fighting for religious freedom. And again, unlike the ACLU, unlike 50 million legal defense groups of the left, they don't have deep pockets. It's literally people like you that help them out. Um, and again, that's adflegal.org slash CR, adflegal.org slash CR. Get your copy and donate generously. So... 
So the courts, the judges, even prosecutors are left and right letting go criminals um, while absolutely having nobody to, to help people like us. Let me give you another example. And I, I could go on and on. I just want to give you the latest smattering of a fraction of the cases that come across my desk. This is from our friends at Alpha News, another great, one of the few great um, crime watch websites uh, that oversees Minneapolis. Minneapolis has literally become little Somalia in, in more ways than one. Minneapolis woman who was arrested for stabbing does it again 12 days later. Um, she basically stabbed a man on the streets, um, was quickly taken into custody after knifing a man at a light rail platform on August 5th after being released. Now you say, well, what do you mean? How are you released if you knife a man on the street? But she was released, went on to stab a 68-year-old woman approximately 15 times in a hospital parking lot on August 17th, just 12 days later. Floyd, Maxine Floyd, has since been released on bail for a second time by Ramsey County District Judge Richard Kyle. Now, I haven't looked up Richard Kyle, but it's interesting. I've seen in Ramsey County in particular a lot of the same judges that imposed COVID fascism and even lo tried to lock up people like Larvita in Minnesota for being business owners, you know, opening up their business during COVID. They're letting out murderers assault all these people. Again, this is stuff. It, it's not like, oh, this is worthy of a revolution. We're long past that. I would venture to say this is the first time in history of the world that stuff this bad has happened and there hasn't been a revolution. And I think there's a very sophisticated, high-tech reason for why it hasn't happened, just the way society is set up today. Not that we want it. We want to solve it, and, and there's so many easy ways to solve it. Again, I, 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 I want, I'll get back to crime in a minute. I just want to deviate for a moment. I know I, little, I have uh, ADD, ADD of the brain today, but there's just too much to talk about. But you see from all these counties that even with Ron DeSantis aggressively fighting back, as of now... There's five or six counties in Florida that are successfully saying, screw it, we're forcibly masking children. And the lesson I take from that is, God forbid should you have red counties and blue states doing the same. I'm not even asking that, but at least red counties and red states. If you were able to get the people and the elected officials on board in the same culture, there's not much anyone could do to stop you. That's the lesson. But part of that is because we have a conservative movement in a Republican Party that's the perfect false flag operation in the history of the world that just diverts people's energy, attention, and just focus to, to nonsense. It's all about how many Afghani refugees we could save. That, that's what conservative talk radio has become about, given everything going on. You want to know why we don't have a, a, a revolution in this country? And when I say that, I even mean like a political revolution— that's why. Unfortunately, I'm the schlepper, you know, caught earning less money, relying on that. I'm thankful for the advertisers I do I do have, but with the show I have. But if you don't listen to the alternative shows like mine, a few others, that's what you're gonna get even from the mainstream so-called conservative talkers. Nothing that's important. But Anyway, so that's the person, stabs someone with a prior history, gets released, then stabs another person 15 times, and gets released again. Let's see what else we have. Another case from Chicago. Man on bail for attempted murder is busted with guns, drugs, cash, after cops see him carrying a huge glass bong, prosecutors say. Um, so this guy... In addition to allegedly having a huge glass bong, he also was on bail and electronic monitoring for attempted murder. <laughs> so then they catch him with all this stuff. And then guess what happens? They let him out again, the judge on um, electronic monitoring and bail. So real lovely. Next Chicago case. Eight-time felon, a serial escapee, gets electronic monitoring for a new gun case. 
So this guy was an eight-time convicted felon. Kyle Marbley repeatedly escaped from electronic monitoring and even escaped from state correction agents while handcuffed has been ordered to go onto electronic monitoring after he allegedly threatened the security guard with a handgun at a near North Slide grocery store. So, this guy really takes the case. Police responded to Joel Osco's store at Clark and Division around 9.15 a.m. because an ununiformed security guard said someone threatened him with a gun. The guard told police he ordered the man to leave the store's property after seeing him make a hand-to-hand drug transaction. The man walked to his car, then returned, lifted his shirt to expose a handgun in his waistband. I'll do what I want, the man told the guard. I'll kill you. Um, so basically police caught up with him. They found a gun hidden under his hood. Prosecutors charged Marbley with unlawful use of a weapon by felon and aggravated assault of a peace officer. Um, after hearing his criminal record convictions for escape in 2018, 2014, firearm possession, 2018 and more beach ordered him as a judge beach ordered him to pay 7,500 deposit to get out of jail. 7,500. And guess what? He'll go on electronic monitoring. <laughs> Again, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't know what to tell you guys. Now you'll tell me, okay, Daniel. Maybe we could at least defend ourselves. But the crime equivalent of what we're seeing with COVID, where they unleash a virus on us, enhance it with the vaccine, and then foreclose any avenue for people to save themselves. I, again, I, I don't want to, I, I don't like giving 9-11 um, analogies because I don't want to obviously offend families that, that had victims like this, but I think it's appropriate because there's people dying from this just as much. You literally have families where they know it's spreading in their area. They know they're going to get it and they get it and then they don't do anything and they have nowhere to go. They didn't know, so then they're in the hospital, and then they have nowhere to go and have an advocate in the hospital. It literally reminds me of watching the people at the windows above the impact area in the in the Twin Towers. Except in this case, there's multiple avenues of escape, but they're being actively blocked. So anyway, they let out all the criminals... And then do nothing about it. And then if you try to say, all right, I got to patrol my own neighborhood, guess what happens? You then get prosecuted. This, my friends, is why I am in favor of abolishing the police. It's not my ideal. It's not the way I wanted the world to be. But pragmatically speaking, if we are irrevocably at the point where cops can no longer do the job they're supposed to do, and lock up these people, and the prosecutors on the judicial system, the judges, won't lock them up. So then they're no longer able to do their right job. The only purpose of the police is now to enforce the new order, COVID fascism, racism. So what do I mean by that? Critical race theory justice. I don't know if you guys remember hearing about this. We talked about this a little bit with um, my buddy Pedro Gonzalez, who wrote a comment at the time. This is in Richland County, South Carolina. Arm, U.S. Army Sergeant Jonathan Pentland, he was kicked out of the, the military. Um, so this is from Stripes.com, Stars and Stripes, military publication. A judge found suspended for Jackson Army Sergeant Jonathan Pentland guilty Monday of assaulting a black man in a Northeast Columbia neighborhood in an incident that spawned protests, riled emotions, and captured national attention after a two-day bench trial at Richland County Magistrate Court. On Decker Boulevard, Judge Deidre Hightower gave the guilty verdict for third-degree assault and battery a misdemeanor. Pentland was sentenced to either 30 days in prison or a fine of over $1,000. And again, it's not the $1,000. The guy's life is destroyed. Now, you might say, well, Daniel, he, uh, you know, he was pretty bad, right? He basically, like, shoved the guy, you know, his phone fell. Well, why did he shove the guy? Well, as we noted at the time, there was more to the story. So they made it seem like a guy was minding his own business who happened to be black in this white 
you know, shaved headed military guy comes in and like, you black guy don't belong here and starts shoving him. Well, several witnesses said Williams was acting. Williams is the black guy that alleges himself as the victim was acting erratic or volatile before the incident. Williams' father testified that his son, once a high-performing student, suffered potential brain damage after suffering from lymphoma, type of cancer. Uh, Williams, who is now in remission, suffered swelling throughout his limb system and his brain. Um, and again, if that's true, I, I my heart goes out to him, and I understand that. But the point is, um, Kimberly Henderson, who lives in the summit, that's the neighborhood, testified in the trial that in the days before the event, several of her family members had disturbing encounters with Williams. Williams frequently approached one of Henderson's daughters while she was walking the dog throughout the neighborhood. Um, I don't care if he walks in the area, Hernandez said. I didn't want him stopping my daughter anytime he was outside. On a separate encounter, Williams allegedly picked up a baby belonging to Henderson's daughter-in-law. Following the incident where Williams allegedly picked up the baby, Hernandez's daughter-in-law went outside on April 12th, the day of the incident, and confronted Williams, saying he had no permission to touch her child. I went outside expecting them to be right outside, and I saw my daughter-in-law arguing with him. I told her to quickly come back in the house, Hernandez said. Um, the daughter-in-law came back, but Williams followed. He was angry. By the time he approached me, he was already erratic and jumping back and forth. He was telling me he did nothing wrong. Williams was yelling so loudly and got so close to Hernandez, he was unintentionally spitting in her face. Hey, I thought I thought to spit in someone's face was like a murder nowadays with COVID, but okay. Um, I would walk away, but he'd immediately come back. After seeing Hernandez and Williams arguing, neighbor Renee Wilson testified that she called 911 after hearing a man and a woman screaming louder. Um, the woman, Hernandez, cried out yelling for someone to call 911. And basically, where is this? So from, from the perspective of the, of the defense and several neighbors, Williams had been belligerent leading up to the event. Um, and he'd been scaring women around the neighborhood. When Pentland arrived, he saw Williams in the face of a neighbor and got between Williams. Williams, witnesses say, was preparing to strike or verbally attack the women who were three or four feet behind Pentland. As a result, Pentland pushed Williams to keep him from possibly hurting his wife or neighbors as any good, manly man, military guy would do. Um, I would have never put my hands on him other than self-defense, Pentland testified Monday. At the end of the confrontation, when Williams was backing away, Williams points his phone at Pentland's house and mentioned coming back. Um, and look, he, he viewed that as a threat. So Pentland swatted the phone out of Williams' hand, didn't hurt him, swatted the phone out. Pentland testified he didn't physically touch Williams, but Williams said Pentland caught his arm. Again, the guy has no injuries. It's not like he beat him up or anything. He did the bare minimum of what anyone would do now. So this is what's going to happen now, folks. And by the way, I didn't say he was arrested for sexual harassment in the neighborhood and the sheriff let him go. So what is a person to do? Right? This is the coming question that's parallel to everything I've been talking about COVID. What are you supposed to do now when you can't avoid the virus you have a choice of getting the vaccine, but then risking that issue. And then, again, even if you get it increasingly, you're going to get sick anyway. And you have no way of getting treatment. Same thing here. They let the criminals out, unleash them on you. You can't avoid them. You, all right, so I won't go downtown anymore. Like, I live outside of Baltimore. So gone are the days when you could go out on a date with your wife to the Inner Harbor. Okay, that, that, that's done. No, no one does that. You'll get killed. So I'm not going to go in the city. I avoid the city like the plague. But then they'll they'll come to you. They'll look for your cars. You'll have belligerence. And again, I, I do want to say, I don't know if this is the case. I haven't really gone through the story enough, but this is the uh, you know, father's father of Williams, his own testimony is that he seems to have some mental issues. This is a whole other problem. We have criminally insane people, homeless left and right. <laughs> 
So they do get violent and attack people. What are you supposed to do about that? Well, you say self-defense. Okay, well, here's the deal. If you're in a blue state, you have no right to self-defense. If you're in a red state like South Carolina, you might have stand your ground laws, which I think you do. But if you're white and the perpetrator is black, which unfortunately is increasingly likely because most of the violent criminals released are black and they're releasing violent whites as well and violent people of all sorts. But, you know, just statistically, it's very likely you're going to encounter a black criminal. Well, why is that important? Well, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't make a difference. But in the world we live in and the new world order and the new constitution we abide by, even if you're in a red state, you're screwed. You're screwed. You basically have to wait until the guy beats you within an inch of your life until you can do anything. Kind of like you have to wait until you're on a ventilator until you can do anything, but even then, they don't allow you to do anything. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no farm guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. So I don't mean to be kind of cheesy here, but the parallels between what we're seeing with the virus and crime are unmistakable. Where is the John Brown moment? I don't know. But something's got to give. Something has got to give. Now, I want to change gears with that said back to some of the COVID fascism the treatment fascism, the treatment genocide. So yesterday, I put out a bomb piece. No one has ever done this. I put out the top 15 studies showing that natural immunity is longer-lasting, more durable, um, even after a very mild infection, and for, per, perhaps precisely, I explained it in the piece. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. And definitely make sure you see that it's one of my top articles. Again, if you ever can't find something, go to DuckDuckGo, Daniel Hurwitz, The Blaze. Click on you know what you see there, and you'll see the chronology um, of my articles. Or if you find one article, you just click on my hyperlinked name, and it will take you to the chronology starting from the most recent back on my column. So you'll see there, you can't miss it, top 15 studies there. And literally... As I'm publishing it, a 16th study comes out that blows it wide open. An Israeli study, extremely, extremely large um, sample size. They found that indeed, it turns out, there's a 27 times higher risk of symptomatic COVID infection among the vaccinated as compared to those with prior infection. 13 times higher risk of testing positive compared to those with prior infection. So that really lends credence to what I was telling you is that not only is reinfection, even with the circulation of the pandemic going on so virulently of those with prior infection, so exceedingly rare, but even the few cases that you could possibly find, almost all of them truly will be um, just testing positive and, and a nothing burger um, you know, hospitalization of someone, someone who would get it clinically ill, there's really got to be something wrong with them, and that is truly panning out. So this is the Israelis that are vaccination central telling us that. Then again, the Israelis would know, because guess what? Israel reported yesterday more cases than on any other day since the beginning of the entire pandemic after vaccinating 80% of their Popular of their adults 
and boosting 20%. What does that tell you, folks? It tells you that God did his job. God creates the world perfect. His ways are perfect. It's his children who corrupt his ways. The end of Deuteronomy there. Second to last uh, chapter. Just paraphrasing. It wasn't a direct quote. You know, God didn't create this virus. And even after creating it, the natural immunity is held up with all the manipulation. But the one thing that hasn't is the vaccines. But again, it is undeniable at this point. The question is, what is the science? What is the mechanism? What's going to happen with it? But at this point, there is no question that had we not had the vaccines and with all the collateral damage, we would not have been seeing this. Okay? Because it's not just vaccinated people getting sick. It's the fact that it's worse than it's ever been. There's younger people. It's hard to tell to what extent, but I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it a hundred times more than I heard it any time last year. Young, 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 very young. Not just, you know, 50s, but even 20s and 30s. Getting it very, very badly. They made it worse. While denying the one thing, the two things that work, natural immunity for those who already had it, and then for those in the future, prophylaxis and immediate treatment. And I never in my life felt that I had something in the tip of my tongue and then my fingerprints that would save imminently thousands upon thousands of people. And yet there's nothing, it's almost nothing you can do other than on an individual level, hooking up as many people as I know with the brave, heroic, selfless doctors that I've been privileged to be associated with the last number of weeks that have done such a terrific job treating people for free, um, just trying to do this. You know, um, I spoke, and I'm trying to get him on the show, this guy who's a head and neck doctor, deals a lot with like head and neck cancer, but he's also an ENT. Um, now you might think, well, what does an ENT have to do with COVID? Wouldn't you go to your primary care physician? Well, that's the point. Word got out that this guy was like one of the doctors that's into treating COVID and helping people. So he opens up, he comes to his office one day to open it up early in the morning, and he sees this elderly couple there with portable oxygen standing at the door. And basically what happened was they've been home forever, and this is the new thing. Not only um, do you not get outpatient treatment, they have nowhere to go, but even when they feel they're bad enough they have to go to the hospital, the ERs are turning them down. Um, you're not sick enough. Well, it turned out their their SATs were in the 70s, blood oxygen level in the 70s. So he he got them. <clears throat> I forgot what he did, what he put on them immediately um, with obviously high flow oxygen, but he did something that he immediately got their SATs into the 90s. And he was even he was surprised how successful it was. So he got them stabilized and got them on treatment and they were better. But there's something wrong with that. You know, everyone was talking about laughing about the, the, the horse pace people were taking, but they missed the point. How is it that in America, where we have such a, an abundance of generic stuff and, we have, and we, we've paid for everything that's so much more expensive for free, we've spent trillions of dollars. we spent more than the world put together. 18 months of research. Again, you go to my articles out. Go to the different articles I have out today. You'll see all the different options, all the different treatment options. And every one of them, you could Google all the amazing data on them. 18 months into this, we got nothing. Absolutely nothing. Google it. You don't even have to do DuckDuckGo. Even Google. I mean, the ones that are more notorious, they already went to war with hydroxy and ivermectin. But aside from them, and I'm forgetting like 50 other things, I'm just going to throw out to you. Phenofibrate, atorvastatin, famotidine, fluvoxamine, nidazaxonide, colchicine, budesonide, um, Celebrex, 
tons of androgen blockers like uh, um, proxalumidide. Um, there's a few others that that's not available in America. Azithromycin, doxycycline. Then there's the over-the-counter stuff. NAC, quercetin, melatonin, curcumin. And then, of course, the p- full panel of vitamins beginning with D and zinc. 1% betadine solution to rinse your, your nose and the mouthwashes as well. If you think you are exposed. Again, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily saying everyone has to do this, but if you are, are that OCD about it, that you're going to mask and do something that uncomfortable and draconian, even if it's not dangerous. So if you're that worried uh, and you want to do something that actually has a hundred times greater efficacy, if you're in an area that is particularly hit and you go out among people, come back home and do the rinses. So at, at, at best, if you got it, it will dramatically reduce the viral load, which is that that's the most important thing. Again, the Bangladeshi study on this, and there's tons of data on the no, on the nasal sprays. Tons of data. At first, I couldn't believe it. Like, I, I didn't talk about it much. But there's too much data on that to ignore. The data is there. All the things I mentioned to, to you, you'll Google it. Like, amazing promise, amazing data, amazing mechanisms of action. None of this has even been explored. And again, you don't even, we're beyond the exploration stage. There's at least 100 doctors in the country, very small percentage, but it still is between them and their patients. That's a lot of people. They already demonstrated success. They're beyond the study phase. That's if you wanted to mandate it on people. But in a pandemic, when you're without options to not even make it available and worse, to, to, to intimidate and sometimes bar physicians from prescribing. It's truly Unbelievable. Another study from Dominican Republic, which has really led the way. Dominican Republic, I haven't talked about it a lot. They've really done very well. They've been, they're one of the countries that were handing out packets. They found, they put healthcare workers, who are obviously going to be very exposed to COVID, on prophylaxis of ivermectin. 75% reduction of risk of infection compared to the control group. Okay? So... That is 74%. Now, if it's 74% risk of reduction of infection, you could imagine how much it helped, especially with Delta. It's more virulent. They, again, I, I think it's, I call it the vaccine variant. It's the Vax variant. That's really what it is. Um, Delta is kind of loaded because we really don't sequence the genomes and we don't appear to be getting it as easy as the UK did. So I'd call it the Vax variant. And, you know, it might have a higher viral load. The working theory is that it's vaccinated people that are spreading it like hell, but most of them, if they weren't vaccinated, at least in January, they still have enough protection that they don't get clinically ill from it, most. And that's rapidly deteriorating um, every day. They're blasting the heck out of younger people. So rather than the younger people killing grandma, you ironically have the vaccines create a dynamic where it's the older vaccinated people blasting younger people with insane viral loads that are now big enough to rope even them in, whereas last year they weren't really, you know, it didn't really do that much to them. Um, that's that's the working theory. And I want to also point out <clears throat> that, you know, one observation I had, if you look at the curves in the South— so we all know that the South gets a summer bump. But two things. It's an exceedingly worse than it was last year with so many people vaccinated, with so many people, more people with built-up immunity. Plus, interestingly enough, it's four to eight weeks later. Remember, it started at Memorial Day. Around then is when the summer wave started in 2020. I mean, by this time in August, we were done, done with it. This started much later. Didn't really start till mid-July. Most places. What that tells me is just, that not that alone, but together with everything else, that originally, had we not had the vaccine, we were right. It was kind of over with after the winter. 
When I say over with, I mean emergency level run on hospitals. It, it was going to percolate. And we, and we said at the time, they'll probably get somewhat of a summer bump. But we were never going to get this. And indeed, we weren't getting it. The science of why the enhancement breaks out in a given place at a given time is not clear. But it does appear to be what happened. Because if it followed the natural cyclical thing, it should have been, you know, already in the late spring. Early summer, not late summer. Doesn't make much sense historically if you read the Hope Simpson thesis on, on the flu. So um, that's just an interesting thing. But, but what I, what I want to say that's important is that when you look at these studies, 74% this, 60% this, 40% this, that's not even accurate. The real issue is like any doctor, but particularly important for such an aggressive virus like this, is to hit it from multiple fronts. So ivermectin has good studies, but they sell it short. Ivermectin is like the chicken or the meat on the plate. But then you have the green beans. You have the mashed potatoes. You have the stuffing. Phenofibrite. Fluvoxamine for certain people, um, famotidine, and you know, and and then there's this uh, another one I spoke about a little bit before, and it was just added to the FL Triple C's uh, protocol, nitazaxonide. Okay, so in many ways, that is one of the most promising things out there. <clears throat> At first, I, like, it kind of sounds like scary, nitazoxanide. It's like, you know, it sounds like a nuclear bomb. It's going to kill you. Like, it's, it's a very scary thing. And I looked at it, and it's like, I'm like, dude, in some ways, this has a better pitch than, than ivermectin because it's, it's, it's also an antiparasitic, but it's already been used in Brazil. It's actually approved. It's FDA-approved drug. Um, it's been given to kids for diarrhea. So you really have an amazing safety profile on it. In Brazil, it's already approved for viruses, rotavirus. Okay? So viruses, it has amazing mechanisms of action. The results in the studies are amazing. And so it might even pound per pound. It could be better than ivermectin. But the more important thing is, is that Whereas a lot of other things mimic ivermectin, the same kind of pathways, mechanisms of action, um, you know, a little bit, maybe not as good, but fills in some gaps. Nidazaxonide works very differently. Now, I would need to get Ryan Cole on. He could give a whole lecture on how each of them work. Um, but the point being, it complements it. And, 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 the, and the issue is, this virus is a real SOB. It's a real bioweapon, and it was created now that we, you know, when it was natural, it was like, yeah, whatever, ho-hum. But now that we know it was manipulated, I mean, you could see it. And again, Ryan Cole could tell you exactly how it was manipulated. He's a pathologist who is brilliant. I've talked to like 30 doctors, and they're like, you know, to a layman, it's like, you know, a brilliant doctor is a brilliant doctor. These guys are like, man, I've never met a guy like Ryan. Unbelievable. Like, that guy should have been dictating this from day one. Ryan told me, and I could say this publicly, um, well, well, let, let me, I'll, I was going to talk about phenofibrate, but let me just first talk about um, nidazaxonide. So it, it has a different mechanism of action, and the way the virus works is it binds the ACE2 receptor in different ways, but then it kind of could get in a couple of other ways. So the important thing is, you know, th this is very important. Sometimes you take, let's just say there's two ways on ramps for the virus to come into the cells. So one drug blocks off one. So sometimes you might do a study on it and it'll be like 20% efficacy, 30% efficacy. Why? Because, you know, it blocks it. But most of the time, the virus is clever. <laughs> They're designed that way, especially this one. And okay, okay you block that door or go through door two. Which is why it's kind of a straw man when you have a bunch of different things, you throw everything you can at it. And again, you're not going to necessarily give all 15, 20 that I mentioned to every person, every stage, whatever. This is the panoply of options, but this is what any sane doctor should be able to understand. 
So I want to say this, and we have not just data, but massive real-lived experience of doctors all over the country, that it's more like 100% efficacy with the right cocktails early on. The only thing that should have been done is these people don't have the resources to do better studies. What the government could have done to save hundreds of thousands of lives would have really been honing in on exactly the cocktail to whom and the dosage. The dosage is really important because you could have a drug that's like a bomb. It's going to give you 100% efficacy. But if you don't quite get the dose, I mean, it just doesn't get in enough, so you're not going to, you know, it'll go down to 30%. So a big issue with ivermectin is, as good as it is, the feeling out there is very strong evidence that, first of all, studies have shown that it is safe to use 10, 20 times higher than the 0.2 milligrams, which is why a lot of them bumped it to 0.4, 0.6 per kg. Um, but it, it's already been used. But you can imagine if you don't have the government on your side, and to begin with, you're walking on thin ice, they're really going to be very, very conservative on it. So the feeling has always been that if you would really high dose it, even without anything, it would be a bomb, but certainly with other things. You get nitazoxanide together with, um, uh, you know, um, iver ivermectin, phenofibrate, those three. I mean, you, you got to, that is de facto a cure. So Ryan Cole told me he uses phenofibrate. That's a cholesterol anti-lipid medication. And again, I'm not doing it justice. I'm not doing it justice. I need Ryan on, but I, but I asked him tonight, last night. I was like, hey, like, you know, what's up with a cholesterol medication? He's like, here's the deal. Um, one of the things the virus thrives on is, is latching onto um, like these fatty sacs within the lungs. The phenofibrate immediately extirpates those um, sacs, the fat, because it, it attacks fat. You know, people use it for, it's not just even like cholesterol, but weight loss too. It just kicks the fat out. It chucks it. It has a number of other, that's anti-inflammatory. It has an antiviral mechanism as well. And you know what else he told me? He says, there's a lot of evidence. One of the big questions people have and concerns is that, you know, even people that got over it, um, a bad case of it, like scarring on the lungs, What's that going to do to them? That this has a very healing a healing component for scarring on the lungs. Again, there's so much beautiful research out there that we've had 18 months. But I was just floored by nitazoxanide. It's very hard to get a hold of it. It's FDA approved. Amazing safety. Used on children for parasitic and viral diarrhea. And again... Viruses often cause a lot of trouble, and I don't know how to explain it, but Pierre Corey was explaining to me how it really gets into the GI tract is a, is a big problem. So that's another thing there. This stuff makes sense. Stuff makes sense. You know, I, I was looking up to write my column on phenofibrate. I was looking up, there's a website called ClinCalc. C-L-I-N as in clinical, clin calc as in calculator. And it gives you the top 300 prescribed drugs in America in 2018. That's the latest year. 2018, before COVID. And do you know that the, do you know that the number one drug prescribed in America is atorvastatin? The statin-based um, anti-lipid, you know, cholesterol drug. Now, Ryan personally told me he thinks phenofibrate is better. And phenofibrate is up there as well. It's on the list. It's like number 73. Like, this stuff is prescribed like water. And they won't try it for COVID. It makes no sense. So, as I was researching it, I was like having fun with it. You know, looking on, I saw fluvoxamine was on there and... You know, different things, obviously, famotidine, although that's over-the-counter through Pepsid. And I I looked, I found hydroxychloroquine, and even I was shocked. I was like, wait a minute, we don't have malaria in America. I know it was used a lot in Africa, very safe and whatever, but, like, what's the deal with that? And then I looked at it, hydroxy was a couple of notches ahead of morphine. 
meaning there were slightly more prescriptions in the year 2018 before COVID for hydroxychloroquine than there was morphine, and they make this freaking thing out to be some monster new crazy African thing. And the reason is rheumatologists you know, use it for autoimmune diseases. Autoimmune inflammatory response makes a lot of sense, right? Rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. And, and again, fun fact, almost nothing in the world is approved for pregnant women. It's known that you can't take Advil, right? Pregnant women, it's not approved. Hydroxy, guess what? Hydroxy is one of the few drugs that have official approval for pregnant women. And I, I think the history is likely came about because of lupus, because it's very vital for people with lupus. And, you know, a lot of women get it later, but, you know, some women who have that in their family, they get lupus even, even in their 20s and 30s. So that's probably how it came about. And it's like, you know, we could debate how effective hydroxy is and what stages. I think, you know, since then we found drugs that work even better. But certainly, together with zinc, very early on, certainly worthwhile to be part of a cocktail. Um, and again, for pregnant women especially, um, don't quote me on this. you got to ask one of the doctors that um, are on the list to call. Don't take my advice. But there's somewhat of a split about whether to give them ivermectin. Um, not so much because there's any evidence to problem, just because we want to abide by the safety standard of unless you affirmatively have had trials on it for pregnant women, you don't prescribe it. Unlike the vaccine people that shoved it on the women without, um, while the trial is still ongoing, you know, we want to abide by the standards. So hydroxy is an option for, for them. That much I know. But could you imagine that? And again, Lisa Shaw, I'm sure you saw the news today, died from the AstraZeneca vaccine. A BBC reporter, young woman in her 40s, all over the place. The people I'm hearing, the long-term effects of this vaccine. Again, it's not everyone. We're not saying it's 50%, but but it's a hell of a, a lot of people. And all these doctors that are prescribing all these drugs have never heard a problem. You know Why? Because we prescribe them all the time to varying degrees, varying parts of the world for other things and never had a problem. This is the problem with this experimental garbage. They're the ones experimenting with new unproven things. I'm sure there's a lot of non-FDA approved things that are very promising. But obviously they're not pursuing that. These doctors are solely looking at FDA approved drugs. That's the starting point. They have a proven safety profile. And again, there's plenty of FDA drugs that are approved that are very heavy duty and have a lot of risks, but you know, they're appropriately prescribed when they're needed in the right place and for the right person. They're not indulging those. These are broadly used safe things. Why is does it take some low-paid talk show host like myself, who's not a doctor? to get bombarded with messages of people desperate for care and not because of my medical knowledge. I don't have medical knowledge, but just because of my, you know, what I do and I'm able to connect with people that do have this knowledge and to try to connect people again, earlytreatmentreport.com, Katie Jennings, a stay at home mom listener of the show put together an amazing website, a packet, like a 20 page packet there if you scroll down, the final page has a list of um, people to call. Also, if you go to AAPS, American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, the best healthcare group out there, they have um, a resource for, they list doctors by state who are kind of affiliated with them, that they've checked out, that you could call them. And again, there's no guarantees. This is just a list. You could call them and say, look, I'm really worried about getting it. I or certainly if you did, you know, could you prescribe me something that I'll have on hand and try your luck with them? I mean, this is this is the best we can do. But why is there not a single state where the government 
that has been given, even the, the smallest states, to my knowledge, have been given two, three billion dollars with their infinite resources. States should have had a state sanctioned hotlines where you could immediately get a hold of a doctor or nurse practitioner, PA, to prescribe right away. I mean, even the monoclonals, which I'm all for, but that is experimental. It is new. Like somehow it's like the monoclonals is the only thing maybe you could indulge. Truth be told, that's the only thing that is experimental. All the other things I mentioned to you on my list of like 20 I just shouted out to you are either widely prescribed 100% safe or downright amazing to take as a healthy prophylaxis anyway, especially, you know, with NAC and D and C and zinc and quercetin and things like that. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Look, you know, everyone knows my politics. Everyone knows I'm a conservative, whatever that even means anymore. I could continue to talk about the other issues I care about, but I can't move away from this. I, I can't sit on this knowledge and see it and see it work and not find a way. Again, imagine you're watching people trapped in a burning building and you're standing outside and you see an exit and it's open. And like, and you walk into it and you're like, well, where does the stairwell lead? Maybe, you know, between there and where they're trapped is still open. We can get them out. We can get them out. And here we we know they can get out. We know, I mean, we see it coming a mile away. Think think about, you know, I live in Maryland. Maryland's kind of dead now. You know, there's not much going on. You know, vaccinated or not. Not exactly, I don't know when is it, late September, is it October? We don't know. But certainly within the next two months, if not sooner, it's going to break out here. I have family. I have friends. I have neighbors. I have associates, just like you do. And the fact of the matter is, the way we stand now is, this is of nobody's fault except for the bastards that are wagging their fingers and accusing and shaming people with such lack of compassion. They've done nothing wrong. They didn't create this virus, unlike the people who did and funded it. They didn't enhance it with the mass vaccination. You now have a virus that is getting more and more virulent, seemingly, or you have to at least operate on that assumption. I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's proven, but anecdotally it does seem so. Still kind of trying to parse out the data, which is very murky in America, unlike the UK, but the UK could be getting a different thing than we are. And the reality is, it's going to hit everyone that didn't get prior infection. And it's still a lot of people, ton of people, millions of people. If you didn't have prior infection, whether you got the shot or you didn't get the shot. And certainly by the time it hits the north, increasingly people got the shot. By that point, does the next shoe drop? And not only do they get it as much, but even more severely than the vaccinated, true traditional micro AD, we don't know. But given how much it's following that path until now when they said it wouldn't, and it did, you, you, have, you can't rule that out. It is criminal. It is criminal not to tell people to get with a competent physician to come up with a plan for them on the right prophylaxis of DC, zinc, and different things like that, and to have a plan in place if they get it, and depending on their health status, to not just the um, supplements, but even things like ivermectin to, to prophylax on it. You know, for that, for that time, um, you know, I would say starting in, in maybe two weeks in the north, I mean, you have to, you have to see what's going on. Prophylax. That would literally save, at a bare minimum, 95% of people from critical illness and death. It's proven. Because, again, we have better than a study. When you have people dying left and right and getting critically ill left and right, and then every doctor that actually tried to treat it versus the ones that didn't, 
will tell you that they've never had a problem with a patient regardless of his health status. Never had a problem so long as they got it early. And we know it's coming. We know we have the ability to test. And again, like, again, you want to put someone on an androgen blocker and some of this other stuff that's more hardcore. Obviously, you want more confirmation and certain details depending on the guy. But like, this stuff is so safe. Honestly, if you're the type that doesn't want to get tested because you're scared of the government, which is such a shame what they've done to people, I'm, I'm the same way. So there are the take-home um, rapid ones that you should probably get a hold of. But I would just say you start feeling like a sore throat or certainly certainly you get a fever, 99.5, 100, right away, go through our doctors and boom, get a prescription right away. Right away. Don't wait till day five, day seven even. Day one. Day one. This stuff doesn't hurt to take anyway. You could prophylax on mo- most of this stuff. Again, don't quote me on every last thing. You're not going to take colchicine. You know, common gout medication, proven very safe. My brother-in-law's bad case of gout. He takes it a lot. Never had a problem with it. You know, you're not going to take something like that. There's no need to take something like that. We have plenty of other options that are so universal. You could take even if you, in the end, maybe it was a false alarm, prophylax or whatever. This is the most consequential, imminent message that is needed but has ever been censored and demonized. All I could tell you is the only thing that keeps me alive is knowing that God has a lot of seating capacity in hell for all these people. Till tomorrow, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, stay informed, and God bless you.